0: In time for the Kill Coin Conversation, uh, we're going to get to a number of different guests. As we mentioned, uh, when we launched this, we said it could be people you know, people you need to know, and maybe somebody uh, you already know, don't know. It doesn't matter. We're going to talk to people who are informed, who are entertaining, and uh, there's a lot going on in our world. We know that. And we bring in, right off the bat, Lewis Reed, who is the president of the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. He's held that title since 2007. Interesting times for people who are in public office. And Lewis, we appreciate the time. How are you and your family surviving?
1: Oh, we're doing well, Martin. We're, uh, you know, adhering to the social distancing. Uh, you know, I have uh, hand sanitizer and stuff at the front door. So when my, when my sons come home, they are supposed to, you know, sanitize their hands on the way in and the way out. That's been hard to get that enforced, but, (laughs) (laughs) but other than that, uh, we're doing well. Um, and, uh, just reaching out to the public and hopefully we make it through this, uh, strong and, uh, the scary time in the country.
0: Now give me an idea. Uh, your communications uh, with Mayor Krusen on a regular basis, and really the responsibility of government in this time. It's. It, I know there's a lot of people who say ah, I'm sick of the government. I don't want them telling me what to do. I sense right now, even some of those folks may have changed their tune a little bit. Just give me an idea of right now how important it is, and how big these decisions are that you guys are making. Oh,
1: these are these are. These are massive decisions, life and death decisions, because if we choose to act slowly, you know there's there's no way to tell up front uh you know how it will impact the lives of of an individual or a family or you know a you know a large group of people uh in the future so you know at times like this, you know I firmly believe we need to err on the side of caution as much as possible. Uh, you know, no, no. Uh, if, when I look at it, I think that any of these things that are that we can delay, for example, uh, people coming down to pay their property tax, right? We need to uh, put in place, you know, a grace period, a sixty-day grace period on things like that, right? None of these things that we normally transact on a daily basis are worth the, you know, putting people's lives at risk, our city employees at risk, or our community at risk long term. I mean, we have to flatten that curve just like everybody else is attempting to do across the country. Where do you- Finally, I'd say this. We need to look, all of us need to be looking at New York and understand that that's our future, right? And if we want to see what the future will look like, and we have a perfect example right there. So what can we do to mitigate uh, that risk and mitigate and flatten the curve from what you're seeing happen in New York today?
0: What What would you say to people who would point out, well, New York's a much bigger city. It's more densely populated um, for those. And I, I don't think there's too much caution that could be taken at this time. But you may hear from folks who say, well, come on, we're not New York. That's not realistic.
1: Well, it, it, it is realistic when you think about uh certainly new york, new york is more much more densely populated new york has a higher number of people that are traveling internationally and you know all around the globe right that are congregating there they have business transactions and stuff that far exceeds st louis but uh when we're talking life and death issues like right, and that, dave Matthews had a perfect example he said okay If someone had 100 M&M's and they say they put them all in a bowl, say, okay, 80 of these M&M's won't do you any harm, 16 of them will make you sick, sick, but four of them will kill you. And he mixes them all up. How many are you going to choose? You're not going to eat any of them, right? You're going to stay away. So I think you have to approach it in that way, Uh, especially if you are a city who uh, who were a were, were decision maker and other people are are waiting on you uh, to, you know, inform them as to what they should do and how they should stay safe. Uh, so I think you, you owe it to the people to be as cautious as possible uh, under circumstances like this.
0: When did you guys first hear as public officials, do you remember – Remember any conversation, you know, two months ago, three months ago, where people said, Hey, there's this thing, coronavirus, all mayors and all cities better be aware. When, when was it first on your radar?
1: Uh, for me, I, the time passes so quickly. Um, I want to say two months ago, but uh, I could be a little off on that just because time has passed so rapidly from that time where things really started ramping up. Uh, but uh, at that time, I started calling for a, a for a regional approach to this, and I said, "Okay, we cannot approach this just as the city of St. Louis, St. Louis County, St. Charles County, Madison County. We need a regional approach to this." Uh, but at that time, it wasn't as you know as prevalent as it is now, right? Um, so. You know, you know that seemed a little aggressive at the time, and I, understandably, right? I, you know, looking back, I thought, you know, you know, certainly now with the new data, it does not look as aggressive. But back then, it was probably pushing the envelope a little bit too much to say, okay, time out. Let's have a regional approach to this because we don't know how bad this could be, or how bad it's going to get, right? And you remember, back then, people across the country in the United States. We're looking at oh, that's the China thing. What are the chances is actually going to make it over here to America, right? And if indeed it makes it over here to America, it's not going to be so widespread to the point where we're shutting down businesses and we're you know we're shutting down parks and things of that nature, right? But now you see it happening. So,
0: and when you guys made the decision a little over a week ago now that said we need to stay at home, we need people. To basically if you don't leave your house unless you absolutely have to how was that decision reached and how much do you talk to other uh political leaders around the country and how does anyone know because it's interesting it's, it's sort of in a state-by-state state approach here how do you guys come to those decisions
1: well you know i was really thankful that uh the mayor the county executive and uh steve ellman and, you know saint Charles County executive all of them came together uh, to create that regional, you know, approach to this, right, that, that I was just talking about. So I was really thankful that they, they did that. Um, and they began to meet and discuss how they were going to work on this thing, you know, in, you know, together, right? But still we saw some places where the county executive, uh, Sam Page, moved a little quicker than, than the city on some of these things. So we were, you know, what we've been doing in the city as legislators, right, so among on the legislative branches, really working with the executive branch and working to keep this keep case with what they're doing in the county, uh, St. St. Louis County and St. Charles County and Madison County, so that we can, you know, flatten this curve regionally. And the reason that's important is because we're all feeding off the same health care system. The whole issue of flattening the curve is to lower the pressure on the health care system and to keep people healthy through this process, right? So it's important that we approach it regionally.
0: So, Lou- oh, go ahead, okay. sir.
1: No, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, Lewis, I just want to ask you, what, what about readiness? Uh, we make the New York comparisons, and obviously they've been overrun in terms of their hospitals and medical personnel. Uh, if there is a comparison, then I know the data over the weekend, numbers jumped a lot for Missouri as a state. What's our level of readiness, do you think, here in terms of equipment, in terms of hospitals, bedding, and all of that? What's your understanding as to St. Louis City's re- uh, readiness?
1: I, I don't think anybody in the country is completely ready. Uh, you look at New York, uh, you know, tons of resources are going in New York. They're still not ready. Um, you know, uh, so St. Louis, we're way behind the curve in terms of readiness, but... Uh, you know, we, one of the things we did right at the beginning was to call on the governor to release our the emergency, re, you know, stockpile of, of, you know, masks and, and equipment so that we can get it to our, our police departments, our fire departments and the like, right? And that's been slow to move, right? So, uh, you know, I, i just, you know, as cities go, you know, we're, we're, we're on average and on par with other cities, but I still think that there's still much to be done across this country in terms of being truly ready for it, right? Um, one of the things that we need to do immediately at City Hall, we, we need to show, close City Hall just like, uh, just like St. Charles has done, uh, just like, uh, uh, Sam Page and others have done to public access right? There's just no reason we need to have public access in City Hall. Uh, We can delay the collection of, uh, give grace periods on everything from tax, uh, you know, from property tax and, you know, uh, sales tax, you know, all of these things. We can give some relief to businesses and to the residents in terms of them having to uh, go to City Hall to make these payments, right? Uh, and if they can make them all, if we're ready to have them make it online, we need to point them to that, right? But uh, we need to close City Hall to to public access. That's one of the things. That's one of the places where St. Louis City itself is lagging behind a lot of the smaller municipalities that surround St. Louis City.
0: So, so is it currently conference. open then? So City Hall is open currently? Yeah, City
1: Hall is open to the public in in the city, and um, we need to. That needs to be eliminated like, like like yesterday, right? And that's part of what uh, myself and others are working on is to get the administration to take the position to close City Hall to the public, right? There's no reason that the public really truly needs to uh, have access to City Hall. Uh, we can, if there are things that we absolutely have to do, let's say there's a, a massive building permit or something that has to happen, right? Uh, you can do that by an appointment, right? Or you can do that through uh, online transactions, right? Uh, so there are other ways we can do some of these things. But for the most part, like 99.99% of things, we have the ability to put in place grace periods so that we're not requiring the public to come down. Just like the motor vehicle did. They said, okay, you don't have to have your license renewed," right? So... One of those licensed officers is sitting right in City Hall. That office was able to close. But the general stuff in City Hall, like I was down there just about an hour ago, we still have electricians coming in to work and all these other things. Like, why, right? Uh, Some things have to be. Some things you cannot do remotely. You know, trash, trash pickup, we can do that. Have one person to a truck, right? We can do that. Uh, the law enforcement, fire departments, they have to stay online and stay uh, stay active, right? But there are a lot of other services that there just is not a requirement to have them active and uh, downtown and uh, have open access to the public coming through.
0: Louis Reed, president, St. Louis Board of Aldermen, uh, in that position since 2007, been real integral, uh, things developing, redevelopment, investment in Lafayette Square, or Washington Avenue, an advocate for our sporting venues to be upgraded. We've seen that at the Enterprise Center, the MLS coming to town. And, in fact, uh, give our folks an update with that stadium site. I know they said they were able to get some work still to be done because we're talking about debuting that stadium in two years. What's Is that still realistic? Yes,
1: that's still realistic. They uh, they are following CDC guidelines and also uh, St. Louis City's guidelines. Also, in terms of uh, continuing work, right? So if you're sick, you're not coming into work. If you um, uh, if you uh, they have the social distancing policies and everything in place and adhering to all of those things as they're going through things. So they obviously aren't making the same. Headway as they normally would make in a typical situation, but they are they are continuing to move to progress, and um, you know after the after you know the coronavirus is behind us, they'll be able to still ramp up across this time and uh, across that time and uh, be able to meet the the deadline. So they're still on track.
0: A final thought: uh, you know, timing of all of this is terrible. People's lives being lost. Selfishly, as a fan of things that are going on in St. Louis, especially downtown, there was a lot of momentum, wasn't there? And, and how optimistic are you that you can kind of get that going again and, and just sort of speak to what's been a revitalization really the last five years or so?
1: Yes, we had a lot of momentum going through downtown. Billions of dollars of new investment coming, uh, new jobs being created. It was a lot of activity, the restaurants and and retail shops were, were on up uptick. It was going really well. I think that, uh, you know, considering that this, the, with this pandemic hasn't just hit the city of St. Louis, it's like the entire country. So, uh, the, the, the turnaround, the turnaround, I think we will see a significant turnaround, just like, you know, other cities as they began to ramp up, right? If we were the only, only community that, uh, that experienced what, what we're experiencing, um, businesses would have made another choice. They would have moved to St. Louis County, to Illinois, and things like that. But, um, uh, with everybody having to take a hit, I think that we're going to see that activity come back. It'll be a slow ramp up, uh, because, you know, people are going to be under financial strain and things of that nature. But I see us getting back to where we, where we
0: once were. Lewis, appreciate the time. I know you're an avid cyclist. I don't know if you're able to get out on your bike at all, but we're all, all sort of going stir-crazy together. It's good to at least have some intelligent conversation. So I appreciate you hopping on. Thanks, man. Have a great day. And we continue the Kilcoin conversation. Fox 2 Sports Director Martin Kilcoin, right here on Scoops with com, talking to some of the uh, interesting folks in our city, and our sports world. And the Battlehawks season was one of the real highlights of the 2020 calendar. The city was just on fire with excitement. Unfortunately, the season ended after just five games. But one of those popular players was the punter, Marquette King. A lot of NFL experience on the resume and a great personality. We thought, who better to recap the whole Battlehawks experience, then Marquette. Welcome to the show, my man. How are you?
2: I'm good. The king is here.
0: The king is here.
2: Yo, man, how are y'all?
0: The king is somebody who enjoys people, has a big personality. How are you doing in these social distancing times?
2: Well, you know what? I feel like I'm the life of the party at the time, so I just cracked. Ended up buying these turntables from the Guitar Center. I'm trying to learn how to DJ. Something. Uh, throw the first the Hawks play back at home in their first game next year um so I'm just DJing for the neighbors and stuff
0: what was it like you know the whole sports world sort of came to a halt at one time and you guys are waiting for an announcement you know we understand the big picture but I'm sure with the momentum you had the excitement in town they were talking about maybe 40,000 for that next home game how disappointing was it uh
2: it was it was pretty disappointing man it's but it's also one of those situations where I've been in this situation before where um, control what you can control. And the only thing we could control was us just trying to get better at that moment. And um, that's how we did. We just kept working and grinding. But when we got official confirmation that the season was going to be uh, cut short because of the coronavirus, it, uh, it wasn't cool at all. It sucked because we were really excited to see how many more fans came to the, to the next game.
0: Were you guys on the sidelines at those first two, first two home games saying, man, look at this? We're, how, what, what was the level of surprise by the players at the response?
2: I mean, it was, it was like, dang, like, this, is, this is actually really legit. Like, it looks really good. And they were just talking. A lot of players were just excited about how many people actually showed up to the game. So, and I think the most exciting part for a lot of people were just seeing how many people were uh, lined up outside of the arena as we walked there in the first, especially on the first home game, it was crazy.
0: And how about the brand itself? We mentioned it. You had a, a long run in the NFL, so you know what that level is like. What did you think the quality of play would be like in the XFL? And, and then what did you, what did you think it would be like? And then what was your takeaway?
2: Well, I knew it would be. I knew it was going to be very competitive. Uh, it's still considered. It's still a professional league, and people are still hungry, trying to get to that next level. Uh, the only thing different I would say is the way that practices are ran. Um, uh, it was definitely different. Um, I felt like the NFL was a little more laid back as far as like practices and stuff, and um, in practice with the XFL was a little more ground hard. But it was I thought it, I looked at it as a positive because it forced you to to uh, the reason why you play the game you play and forced you to find your love for the game and which was just get better, and be the best at what you do. But um, as far as the game, I mean, I feel like, man, the fan base was just, it was just about the same as the NFL, you know? Um, and I feel like the thing that made it a lot more different is uh, how laid back the XFL is as far as, like, just letting people just live and just be themselves and show their personalities and stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and the access, people loved it. Interviews on the sidelines, personality, encourage, not all. You know, the NFL sometimes would get called the No Fun League, and you're a guy, as we mentioned, likes to have fun. Marquette King would be known, even in those Raider days, celebrating a good punt. Uh, was there ever any blowback on that? People like, dude, you're the punter. Knock it off.
2: I've heard that before, but at the same time, it's like, hey, I mean, I, I still made a play. So, like, what, what can you say about that, really? But like I said in a uh, conversation before, like a job title or a job description does it determine how someone should act because, I mean, I mean, I've grown up playing receiver most, uh, like, when I first started playing football, and I'm just used to being myself. Uh, went to HBCU, and, man, it was, I was just accepted, man. Sometimes you have some of those players like, man, you just a punter. So it's, like, it's all good. So, I mean, it, I've, I've had people tell me to chill out before, but at the same time, I, it makes me want to do it even more.
0: Uh, all right, I've been to the black hole a handful of times for Rams games back in the day. Give me an idea of being a part of Raider Nation, dealing with those fans. What was it like playing in Oakland for those years?
2: It was like a party. It was like uh the only other fan base or uh, a place that I've ever been to that was kinda like a party was uh Dallas. But it, Dallas is more like a little strip club, like a big ass strip club. But Oakland was more like a it was like a block party Like it was just, and then you had the super fans, so it was like uh, you had different characters of super fans out there that represented the the fan base. So it was like a huge party. Like every time we played on Sunday or Thursday night, like it was so fun.
0: And you're still a young guy, and you know, we've had punters even back, I think mid 40s, maybe we had a guy, Mike Horan, came back and kicked at one point for the St. Louis Rams. Uh, What's your desire level to get back, and and do you think it's possible?
2: Uh, I know it's possible. I've uh, I've manifested for a while. Um, I put too much hard work in, and um, like I've always said, all I need is a special teams coach to just go on a lunch date or something with me, man, and just get a chance to know me. Um, uh, you can't you can't judge or base somebody off of what you see from a distance, which is uh, television. And uh, I feel like it's really important to get to know the player because at the end of the day. Uh, a coach has to depend on the player to get the job done you can 't force a player to act the way you want them to. You have to accept the player who he is and just know and trust that he 's going to get that job done regardless of who he is because i 'm sure there 's a lot of weird people out there that have like really good jobs, but no matter how weird they are, they can get the job done, and everybody has their own strategy of how to get it done so that 's all I need for a coach to understand and uh, once they understand that it 's all good because i Feel like I, I show love all the time. Um, I even reach out to my own coaches and don't talk about football at all. One of my coaches loves to fish, so sometimes I just send him random, random fish emojis on his phone sometimes and just ask him how's everything going. going and um, But, yeah, people, I mean, yeah, I just need someone to just go on the left state and just understand.
0: Hey, from undrafted to ending up a couple of nice contracts, being on an all-pro team, leading the NFL – in gross yards per punt. The next year, led the NFL in punts, total punts, and yardage 2014 with the Raiders. Uh, pretty amazing story, too. I don't know when you realized or said to yourself, man, I think I could play at the next level. Did did you think in college, hey, I could make it to the NFL?
2: Um, I had other people telling me, like, <laughs> I've kind of always been with just doing whatever makes me happy or just trying to be the best at what I do. So I went to this kicking camp, and I was just punting the ball, and, like, everybody stopped what they were doing, and they were looking at me punting the ball. And they're like, dude, do you see how good the punt was? And I'm standing there like, bro, this is normal. Like, I don't know how what a good punt's really supposed to look like. I just try to kick it as high and as far as I can. And uh, there was people just asking me, like, are you really serious about taking this to the next level? And I'm like, all right, I guess. Like, what do I do next? <laughs> so I just... I don't know. I just kind of do what makes me happy and whatever makes me happy. I'm just trying to be the best at it.
0: Marquette, fun to visit with you. Final thought, maybe uh, your takeaway on St. Louis, how much you knew about our town. I'm trying to think if you'd been in that dome kicking before, but what was, what was your St. Louis takeaway from this experience?
2: This experience, um, I call this part of my life, the revival period. Um, I felt like that city revived a lot from me. Uh um, The fans showed so much love. Um, And I don't even know what I can do. uh, But I'm trying to, I'm looking at plotting to do something for those people out there in St. Louis because they showed a lot of love, not just for me, but for the whole organization and for a lot of other players. And um, it was just an experience, man. Um, At first, before I went to St. Louis, I was like, oh, man, like, I guess. So I kind of questioned it at first. Um, But at the same time, uh, as soon as I ate at Salt and Smoke and Pappy's, my whole mindset started to change slowly because they made some really good ribs out right there. But um, yeah,
0: that's all it I mean, took. I it.
2: I, yeah, that's all it took—some ribs and some good chicken—and man, a, a hell of a fan base. And man, I don't see Shane was the same though. But I did play against the Rams. Uh, I forgot what year it was, but we played the Rams and we got whooped like sixty-four to zero or
0: 59-0, something like that. Well, that that's a bit of history because we didn't have a lot of those days down at that dome. But, hey, Marquette, be safe. <laughs> appreciate your time. Hope to see you back there uh, kicking next year. Or, and if you get an NFL gig, we'll be rooting for you from St. Louis as well. I appreciate you. And we talk a lot about the uh, effect on the business world, everything coming to a screeching halt, essential businesses still open. That includes the banking industry. And we bring in our good friend from Triad Bank, Jim Regna, who was the president over there. I call him the bank czar. I don't think that's an official title. Uh, Jim, welcome in 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 these strange times. How are you and your family and and the bank? How's everybody getting along?
3: Everyone's doing well, Martin. Thank you. Hope you and yours are doing well also. Um, it, It is interesting times no
0: doubt yeah when you talk about uh, the banking industry people need the banks open what guidelines do you follow like who tells you guys here's what we're recommending you can close your lobbies etc how do you get that information because these are this is all sort of you know new territory how do you know what to do
3: so that's a really good question so we have um developed And we developed it years ago, a pandemic policy. The the federal regulators make us have a policy for instances like this. Um, I never thought that this would go into effect. (laughs) When we wrote it, kind of laughed about it, you know, many years ago. But we have dusted it off and we are uh, fully initiated our pandemic policy at the bank.
0: And so it's quite simply, you close the lobbies, non-essential employees, people can work from home a fair amount, I guess, and then just operate the drive through
3: Yes. So three-fourths of our staff have the ability to work from home, and then we have rotating staff that is manning the lobby and other key functions of the bank. Luckily, in the world of technology that we live in, uh, online banking, remote deposit, uh, capture, Uh, Mobile banking makes it a lot easier for our clients to do business with us during these times. And then we've always had a limited amount of transactions that we would reimburse customers for when they use what we call foreign ATM, non-triad bank ATMs. And so we're reimbursing clients. Uh, They can make as many withdrawals as they want from other ATMs, and we're reimbursing them for that
0: very cool, well, and because you're uh much smarter on all these topics than any of us, give me an idea like when the fed say okay we're going to lower the uh, federal interest rate's going to be down towards zero like what it what does that mean to consumers at home? How does that play out
3: well it, it gives them all a break on what they pay in interest either for their credit cards or other uh, variable rate interest uh, that they pay uh, for a while there the uh long term rates were actually lower than short-term rates. So it had created a, um, a boom on the refinance market for home mortgages. So it, it helps the consumers in terms of what they have to pay in interest expense on a monthly basis, depending on what type of borrowings they
0: have. And the idea is the Fed is trying their best, what, to just keep things rolling even in horrible economic times?
3: That's correct, Martin. And so it also helps businesses um, – reduce their overhead because they pay less interest on their business loans, which hopefully uh, allows them to keep people employed and operating uh, in top economic times.
0: And, and you're also, as we talk about it in the bigger picture, but you also then, in running a bank, you have employees. It's weird because you have to worry, and I've talked to the people at Fox 2 and KTRS about this, you have to worry about your product that, but then you have your employees and their safety and health. It's sort of weird because you really are you're juggling a, a number of different things at this time.
3: It really is. I mean we want to make sure that we're keeping our employees safe, so we are constantly wiping down door handles on the entrance, even though people aren't coming into the bank they'll still walk up to the the, the doors and try to open them so we're keeping those wiped down and just doing everything we can. Uh, supplying uh, disinfectants and gloves for our employees to um, to, to handle uh, cash and other interaction they may have with, you know, people that are non-bank employees. Uh, we're not, obviously, uh, front lines of the medical uh, establishments, but uh, so we're less exposed But we're still taking uh, extreme uh, precautions to protect
0: our staff well jim i look forward to, to seeing you in person at some point i loved hanging in the lobby at triad bank I, my mom's got her banking there i did a refinance at triad bank i've got an account there we do my brother's estate there and we've, we've told people over the years not just uh smart great business people but also just friendly staff i miss seeing those people in there and stealing the pens from the lobby at triad bank and uh, we encourage everybody when things get back to normal stop by for now you just go online it's triad banking Dot com. Jim Regan and his team taking great care of their customers uh, in all times, including these chaotic times right now. Jim, great to, to talk to you. And, again, maybe some Cardinal baseball here. Just we got to be patient.
3: Well, Martin, just before I go, there's a couple things I'd like to add. So the part of the stimulus package that the president just signed is called the CARES Act, which basically will allow for businesses, small businesses, to borrow from the SBA um, through the banks, and those loans are forgivable as long as they don't lay anybody off. So it's covering all of their variable expenses for I believe it's a two month period. Um, so I just encourage any business out there concerned about the loss of revenue, there are programs out there that the government is trying to assist them with so that uh, they can ease the economic impact on that. So. Whether, whether you call Triad or your or, or another bank, I encourage people to investigate that because it will help them get through this difficult time uh, and e- the economic effect that it's having on everyone.
0: Yeah, it's the small businesses hit hardest, too. So that, that's great news. Jim, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All right, Martin. Thanks. Take care. Appreciate Jim's take, uh, not just on the banking industry, but really small business owners. Those are some great notes there as everybody tries to piece their lives, their businesses back together we've got great sponsors who have been part of this since the early days of the hockey coverage with pucks with bernie and panger hanging with big walt we mentioned triad bank also marie Villa, senior living they're doing a lot of great things out there mary kay and fred had a band playing in the courtyard for their senior residents everybody just open the windows go out on the terrace enjoy the music trying to make i don't know Not make light, but make it as uh, comforting as everyone as they can in these weird times. Marie de Villa, Senior Living. They're located there at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Greenville University, greenville.edu. More information. Parents start thinking about college uh, next year, the year beyond that. Check out that Panther Preferred Scholarship. It's one of the great things offered at Greenville University. We visited last week Fast Eddie's. Those doors, when they get back open, make sure you stop by and visit our friends in Alton, Illinois. And Urban Chestnut Brewery has been real busy serving the curbside food, a unique menu, and you can package it up with a four-pack of some of their uh, just unbelievable beers that they're cranking out on a regular basis. Urban Chestnut, the location in the Grove, doing a lot of business these days, curbside. B&G Tuckpointing, big-time Blues fans. I know the Rich Galati and the family getting ready for some more hockey. BGTuckPointing.com to get that repair done, the garage, the chimney, your home, make it look new again. And with that, we welcome in, uh, Kenny Wallace is with us. We, you're hitting cleanup today, Kenny. Okay. You're our fourth and final guest on the Kill Coin Conversation. And I just wanted to make sure I watch you all day on Twitter. I want to make sure you're okay because quarantine Kenny is even a little weirder than normal. Kenny.
4: It's tough. It's very tough on me, but one thing I don't want to be is sick. So, uh, With that being said, my wife, my mother-in-law, they are staying home. You know, Ken's got a small amount of diabetes. Her mother, you know, she's got heart issues here and there. So me and my daughter Brandy, we're at Snooks here in Arnold, practicing our social distancing, wiping down the handle of the carts, and we're checking out. I gave my daughter my credit card. I said, honey, I said, I'm buying all your groceries, too, because... My middle daughter, Brandy, she is. is, uh, I mean, she's the best. So she does some errands in a a safe, social manner. Remember, we're doing everything really safe as we can. And uh, so we're leaving Snooks right now.
0: Practicing social distancing is difficult for a lot of folks. I would think, especially for Kenny Wallace. You're a people person, you're a high fiver, you're a hugger. It's, you know, last week we were talking to Darren Pang, the blues announcer, and he said, you know, this is a game changer for me. He goes, I'm always hand-pounding and hugging and, you know, a real emotional guy. And I would think it's harder for people like that during this time.
4: You know what? I'll, I'll tell you how it works in my brain. So I cuss a lot. I say the F word. I mean, I'm a constant cusser. But, you know, the 15 years that I worked for Fox, you know, people would say to me on the streets, they go, after they get done conversing with me, I just cuss so much, right? So they say to me, how do you not cuss on TV? And I'm like, oh, that's simple. I said, if you cuss on TV, you're fired. (laughs) They fire you right away, or you have to apologize. So, so you just you cannot cuss on TV. So that's the way I'm doing this social distancing. I know that if somebody coughs and I'm in their face, or I know that I'm not sterilizing things, I'm going to get sick. So it's the real deal. And you know, man, you just. here I met Snooks. I've had two people who go Kenny Wallace, and I go, "Hey man, pretend I'm shaking your hand." You know, <laughs> so that's man. This is no joke, you know. So it, it's really easy on me uh, to not shake hands, and, you know, because this is real serious
0: stuff. They're like, "Oh my God, it's Kenny Wallace. Like, stay in your lane. No, no, no. Stay in that aisle. Yeah, yeah. Don't move. <laughs> But didn't we blame your mom for the swearing, and then your mom got pissed at us because we said you were you swore a lot oh. because of mom.
4: Yeah, And yeah. here's what's great about my mom. She's the love of my life. But when I grew up in Arnold, I mean, my whole family was just God-awful. I mean, everything was F and, and this and that. And when you grow up as a kid, you're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, you get further in life. And we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'll never forget it. I was at a McDonald's. And I'm just talking to one of my crew members. Now, this is about, I'm, I'm down in Charlotte about two months. Okay, into my new career, my new life. And I'm at a McDonald's, and I'm just talking to one of my crew members. And all of a sudden, I feel this tap on my shoulder, this big man, cowboy-looking guy. He says, boy, watch your mouth. I got my daughter with me, and, and it made me feel the horrible. You know, because I, I'm I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a lover. I'm a good person. So I never associated with cussing as being bad, I, I you know, and I still don't. You know, if you cuss, it doesn't mean you're bad at me. I mean, you know what's crazy about cussing is I've noticed that everybody is cussing right now. I mean, I just shared this video of this doctor. And, I mean, guys, you know, high pollutant guy, and his words are coming out of his mouth left and right. And I'm like, you know, there's some about this coronavirus is just bringing out real people. You know, everybody's like, okay, we're doing being perfect in my life. This is real, you know. So I noticed cussing has picked up.
0: Yeah, I th- you know what, and anything goes. Nobody gives a shit right now. I think that's that's the honest answer. We're not on TV. We're not on radio. I guess we can say that. Uh, what about yeah. the what about the e racing? Do you enjoy that? I know Fox is and Fox Sports One has tried to do a lot of you know video racing, just trying to keep it as fun or unique as they can. I, I just really think
4: that we have to buy into anything right now, right? I mean, I, I hear you, and I, and I you know, hey, listen, uh, you know, I, I love the theatrical part of wrestling, I know it's an incredibly athletic sport. I know that in wrestling those uh those, you know, people are very athletic and they are really good. But there's an old saying, wrestling is a lot better when you start drinking. You know, so and even, <laughs> even they say, hey, that guy really sells it, you know and I could never figure out what they meant by that. Well, that's kind of like e racing right now. Except one thing. It really is real. It's just on video. So when you wreck, it's not real. When you wreck in e-racing, online racing, you know, uh, although it's showing real real talent of gaming, but you're not paying the consequences. When you wreck in real NASCAR racing, you you might get hurt. You you might be in the hospital. So, But still, it is is really, really good. I mean, could you imagine right now if they settle on on FS Midwest, we are going to put all the Cardinal players online. You know, it's like Twitch, right? We, we might watch because we know that y'all did, right? So it's just a form of entertainment. It's been really good and You know, all of our bosses at Fox, I don't work for them anymore, but I still call them my bosses because I'll communicate with them. They've done an incredible job of putting this on national TV, national media all over the United States, you know, uh, two nineteen, you know, Fox Sports uh, FS one, they put it on two weeks in a row, you know, you know, we could go and draw right at a million people. So, and, and it had success again yesterday. So, I think it's just something that you have to buy into. That's my opinion on. It.
0: And for those tuning in, just tuning in now, Kenny has not been taken hostage. He's actually he's moving around. He's leaving the schnooks. This is Kenny out among the the few people that are out. But this is Kenny wrapping up his shopping trip. I want to do a segment. Uh, with more of our guests regularly, where I just say the last time, and then they have to say when it was. So let's start this with you, Kenny. The last time you had a Bud Light.
4: Well, you know what? That's the story inside itself. I, you know, My, my son-in-law, Justin, well, brought me one in the shop about two days ago, and it just didn't go down good. You know, my, my daughter Brandy says it right. In fact, when we go to the grocery store, it just makes me feel sick to my stomach. You know, there's a lot of anxiety a probably drink of Bud Light and uh, it just didn't go down as good a- a- as it normally did. So, uh, But the last time I tied one on was right around March 4th over at uh, the awards uh, ceremony over in Granite City, Illinois for the Tri-City Speedway. So around March 4th, not March 6th, I-, I tied one on pretty good and that was the last one.
0: The last time your wife Kim said get off Twitter, Kenny, put, put the phone down.
4: Never, you know, opposites attract. She's way more mature than me, but for some reason, she likes me on social media because I have went on strike before. I have said, you know what? I feel guilty. I'm all this stuff too much, and I, there have been times that I've taken uh, two, three weeks off, and she goes, "Would you please get back on? All your friends, fans, are on me for you to get back on. You don't mean any harm." And, I'll, you know, I'll play hard to get for a little bit, but, yeah, she's different
0: than that man. You just think, she she's probably thinking, well, either he's going to yammer all day in my ear or he can go off and talk into his <laughs> phone. Leave me leave me the hell alone. That's probably part of it. All right, last time you talked to Little Lee, Dale Earnhardt Jr.
4: Oh, well, you know, honestly, that was when we did the Dale Jr. podcast, which really boosted my career. When was that? In uh, November last year, you know, when I was in person with him when I was able to give him a hug. Uh, that was November of last year. Of course, we truly text about every week. Uh, he, he is the type of person where he sees so many people that he'd rather not talk. A junior likes to text, so we'll text back and forth.
0: Uh, last time that Rusty said to you, Kenny, what the hell are you doing? Whether it was something you said or tweeted, or <laughs> does Rusty play the big brother role sometimes still?
4: Yeah, he does a little bit, and I appreciate it. Uh, I would say the last time he did that, the last time he said that kind of jumped on me was uh, early last year. Was his daughter, uh, Katie, uh, was getting married in June. And uh, I told him, I said, brother, listen, I'm going to spend a lot of money. on I'm going to send my whole family to Cowell, but I just got done signing a contract to do an appearance for a good amount of money. I, I can't go. And he was like, What the hell? You, you didn't need to tell me you've got to cancel that. I said, Father, I signed it. I love Katie with my life. So that, that's, what, that's what he He told me to cancel a big paying contract. So I jumped his daughter's wedding, and it made me feel horrible. But that's the last time he jumped on
0: me. And, that, and you would say to Kenny, uh, would, Kenny would say to Rusty, uh, What if it was reversed and you had a big contract? Would you?
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and here's the other thing, as much as I love my brother, and I do love my whole family, truly do. Uh Rusty was guilty of giving us like four months uh, you know, warning for the wedding. It was like he was like, hey, we're gonna have the wedding here and I'm like, What? <laughs> I I've already signed this stuff, you know, so I did I did send my whole family and it, it cost half of what I was earning that much <laughs> so he he still came out ahead.
0: Uh last time you did the dishes, has that been part what's your what's your domestic role these days?
4: Man, I'll tell you what, I don't do dishes. But I can do dishes, so uh, you know I told Hold you. Hold on, before, I
0: don't, I don't do them, but I can do them.
4: <laughs>
0: what a cop out!
4: Don't, don't bait me because I'll embarrass you. I can do some damn dishes. Don't, but, don't but, make me. Yeah, don't bait me. Don't,
0: don't threaten me because
4: I'll make you look bad. I can do some damn
0: dishes. <laughs> right, and the last, <laughs> la- the last time you had a miserable day where you said, "Oh man, life sucks," because I haven't heard in the last three and a half years we've been doing segments.
4: You know man I'll tell you what honestly uh, and, I, and I'm serious when I say this I would have to say it was when I was down in the middle of my career in Charlotte, North Carolina where I was when I was in my prime and here I always say this about competition you have there, there's a there's a miserable price to pay to compete because you know if, if you have got a God-given talent like an Albert Pujols, you're like, what, what's the what's wrong with everybody? You know, you're just that good. But for people like me, which I'm an overachiever, right? Uh, right in the middle of my career, I would say, in the in the late '90s, I was miserable every damn year, and I would never want to go through it again. And I think that's why, I think that's why the last couple of years I've been my happiest because I never want to be that miserable again um and there is just a price to pay to be good at anything and you've got to really balance your life
0: that's kenny wallace checking in with us uh from the nascar royal family here in town the wallace family loyal viewer of fox too i love the immediate feedback and i gotta tell you now more than ever, people are watching TV because people are home. I gotta, I gotta start ironing my shirts and wearing a better tie because it's unbelievable. Every time we do a segment or put somebody on, how many people actually tune in? But I think that's part of our collective, greater St. Louis community. We're gonna all get through it together. I look forward to seeing you at a Cardinal game, whether it's a month, two months, three months, whatever. We will meet up, and uh, we'll have a little toast.
4: Boy, no kidding! Huh? And I don't, and I mean this in a great way. I can't wait to see the Cardinals lose a game, Peace. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'd love to see the Cardinals in real right now lose against the Cubs. You know, what? just let's get us back to normal. And I want to say one thing before we leave, uh, you know, I, I I preach positivity. But, Martin, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Your TKO on Channel 2 at night, I loved it. You said, you know, people have complained in the past that baseball is boring. And I loved what you said last night. You know what's boring? No baseball, and I, I urge you, I plead with you to, to keep it positive on your TKO because you have a, a good voice for the for the city of St. Louis and a lot of Illinois. You know, Channel Two goes pretty far up 55. Let's face So keep keep bringing us the positive vibe because you know that's why I responded on Twitter last night to you. You really inspired me. That's what's boring, damn it, is no baseball. So keep it coming, brother.
0: Thanks, buddy. And I think, yeah, for those who didn't see it, my point was we used to sit around and complain and gnash our teeth and be yep. all upset. Oh, my God. What if the DH comes to uh, the yep. National? It's the end of the world? This three batter minimum. This is bull crap. I'm not watching. And now we're like, oh, God, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want the game back. I don't even care. I don't care what happens. I'm with
4: you. I'm with you. We we both mean the same way, whether we're saying it or different. That's why I met with I gladly go see the Cardinal Blues right now. Please bring back baseball.
0: Be safe. Yep. We'll call you again just to make sure that quarantine Kenny doesn't in fact go insane. Okay, we'll check back.
4: All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Great show.
0: All right, thanks, pal. That's Kenny Wallace checking in with us here at the Killcoin Conversation on Scoops with Danny dot com. Mentioned all of our great sponsors and want to point out and really highlight COPE twenty four. I didn't mention them earlier because as we move forward in this world, the charities are really the ones who are going to be hardest hit because I understand money's going to be tight for folks. But when you get a ch- chance, and I know people have some time right now, just go online to COPE24 and read their story because it's something that started here in St. Louis. And what they're trying to do is end this cycle of kids that are in the foster care program, really have nowhere to go because their parents were terrible parents, and they're trying to get kids at the high school level to learn parenting so that they can be good parents, and it can really make a massive difference. Check them out, COPE24. That's that organization. And again, we talked to Fast Eddie last week. Hopefully they'll be back up and running sometime soon. B&G Tuck Pointing, Greenville University, Triad Bank, Urban Chestnut Brewery, Marie de Villa, Senior Living. Appreciate all of them being great supporters, and we'll look forward to the next Kilcoin Conversation.